Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. Now, on to the episode. Hey there, ghoulies. Welcome back to another mini-sode of Clever Ghouls. I'm Megan, and today I'm going to talk with y'all about one of my favorite things, besides the brain, obviously, and that's music. Punk, specifically. Our episode on Return of the Living Dead just came out, and I do give y'all some high notes and fun facts about the history of punk, but I want to do a deeper dive into its history and dig into the subgenre of horror punk. Everyone knows what punk is. The unfiltered, raw, gritty sound, unruly guitar riffs, clamoring drum beats, and loud, expressive vocals with lyrics filled to the brim with protest, anti-establishment, and an agenda. It's the voice of the disenfranchised and the rebellion. The birth of the punk scene came around in the late 1970s and early 1980s. And it wasn't solely just a music scene. It was a lifestyle and total ideology that encompassed fashion, literature, political defiance, and everything in between. But the music became the backbone and it provided the beat for an entire movement. The word punk was originally an archaic term for prostitute and punk, spelled P-U-N-C-K-E, was used by Shakespeare in this manner in Measure My Measure, though a little ambiguously. And it was later a common slang term for any kind of miscreant or charismatic, good-for-nothing threat to authority. Exactly when the term was appended to music is uncertain. However, it's likely to have been a lot earlier earlier than most realize. A note in a San Francisco call from 1899 carried the outraged remarks of Otto Wise, who reviewed the singing of someone in a fraternity house as the most punk song ever heard in a hall. The word was later used as an adjective to describe any kind of music that was authentically ragtag or unpolished, with the implication being that those making it were somewhat rough around the edges as well. American groups such as the New York Dolls and the Ramones had the musicality and vibe of the movement down, but the use of the term punks as a means of categorization was generally frowned upon by these musicians. A 1976 article in the UK's Sound magazine by Johnny Ingham was entitled Welcome to the Rock Special with a question mark at the end. And that question mark was a clear statement that nobody quite knew what to call this new movement now emerging. Punk rock didn't really get its identity until there was a band suitable enough in which to pin it on. Enter the Sex Pistols. Vivian Westwood, notable fashion designer and key member in the punk movement, at one point dated Malcolm McLaren, and he spent a period of time in the U.S. managing the New York Dolls. And when he was doing that, he became interested in managing a new local band called The Strand, which he and Westwood used as kind of a musical billboard for their Chelsea fashion boutique. With the rise in popularity of fetish wear, Westwood and McLaren renamed their boutique from Too Fast to Live, Too Young to Die to just SEX, in all caps. And then The Strand 
became the Sex Pistols. The mid-1970s punk scene in the UK came at a point of economic decline and civil unrest. A recession was in full swing, police were clashing with the public on the streets, and the UK was sliding down the economic power list. Punk served as a means to articulate the country's frustrations. And Andrew Carroll in Running Riot, Violence in the British Punk Communities, wrote, Punk's transgressive, shocking attitudes and stances caused normative culture to react viciously against them, and it further isolated them from normative society. The reactions against them pushed punks deeper into their alternative community. And frontman for the Sex Pistols, Sid Vicious's death in 1979 was considered one of the death knells for punk itself. He died of a heroin overdose a year after being arrested and awaiting trial for second-degree murder of his girlfriend, Nancy. And bands that followed the Sex Pistols' lead included the Buzzcocks, the Damned, and the Slits, all of whom were influential in developing punk rock as a genre that touched on various political themes from austerity to equality to police brutality, with some bands like The Clash becoming highly successful in the process. The Clash made racial tension one of its protest flags after lead singer Joe Strummer witnessed the violence between police and black people at the Notting Hill Carnival in 1976, writing the song White Riot in response. As the 1970s became the 1980s, though, punk rock became even more resplendent. But as the decade progressed, inflation fell, the economy improved, and new, less volatile bands caught the attention of the younger generations, and punk moved into the mainstream. The philosophy, however, didn't, and new genres have emerged periodically since, with movements such as gothic rock, grunge, and horror punk exhibiting many of the anarchic attitudes that led to punk's development. But I just mentioned horror punk, and what exactly is that? Punk was partially born in the light of late 70s monster movie screenings on the UHF television. Punk rock and horror culture have always gone hand in hand. And in terms of horror punk as a subgenre, think of the Ramones' Ode to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the bloody, dripping creature feature font adorning Iggy and the Stooges' Raw Power album fast beats, strong guitars, and raunchy lyrics. The genre focuses more on the dark and dingy world of horror more than the political day-to-day themes. The beginning of horror punk can be traced back to the 1970s, with the first band being recognized as Misfits. Horror punk, despite being such a small genre, still has some recognizable characteristics that are noticeable from band to band. The horror influence is what ushers this in. Songs are often about murder, death, and include a lot of science fiction monsters like zombies or other living dead icons. Misfits are the first and probably biggest horror punk band and are widely credited with pioneering the genre. Their crimson ghost logo has become something of a fixture in pop culture and it can be seen splayed across pretty much everything. They are arguably the most merchandised punk band since the Sex Pistols. The Misfits laid the essential groundwork for the emergence of horror punk as a legitimate genre with their iconic corpse paint and raucous stage performances. The Cramps was also a long-running band spanning punk, horror punk, and psychobilly genres. In fact, they themselves coined the term psychobilly. Murder Dolls are one of the newer horror punk bands on the market, having formed in the early 2000s, and they have sporadically released music over the years. Horror punk is defined by its fusion of punk rock music with the imagery and lyrical topics common in the horror film genres. Typically, it references B-movies of the atomic age, doing so in a way that emphasizes campiness. However, some artists and songs in the genre also discuss events of real-life horror. Due to this, horror punk generally evades the political lyrics found in conventional punk rock. The genre also asserts the influences of 1950s-inspired doo-wop and rockabilly sounds. 
And punk rock was not only influenced by some of our favorite horror films, they took a major role in many of them too. We see the punks confronting everything from The Terminator and Jason Voorhees. Probably the biggest example of the intersection of punk rock and horror, though, is Return of the Living Dead, a classic zombie film that's really popular within the punk community. So much so that bands have used clips of this movie and their music for ages. The punk gang in the film is led by Suicide, who imposes himself by clutching his black leather jacket and stating, you think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. Shortly after, Suicide is bitten in the head by the tar man, a zombie with melting black skin. One by one, the rest of the gang is devoured by the living dead that are hungry for brains. The history of punk is fun and fascinating, and its give-and-take relationship with horror is honestly even cooler. So definitely go listen to our full episode on Return of the Living Dead for even more of the history of punk rock and how it influenced one of our favorite movies. But with that, that's it for this mini-sode, ghoulies. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Stay creepy, friends. The Clever Ghouls podcast is run by Megan, Marissa, Blair, and Melissa. This episode was done by Megan. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. Find his links in our show notes. For more episodes and other spooky content, find us on your favorite social media platform through our handle at Clever Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And if you really like our content, please leave us a review.